My waves get lost in the ocean. Seven billion swimmers, man, I'm going through the motions. Hi, this is Nancy Herald, and welcome to my show, High Road to Humanity. In every episode, I tell you powerful true stories filled with great wisdom that you can use in your own life as you strive for a higher road to travel. My featured guests will have their own unique stories to tell that enlighten your mind and your soul. So kick back, relax, and learn the secret to success when you take the high road. Hi, this is Nancy Yerald, and welcome to High Road to Humanity. And today we're going to talk about synchronicity. And I have a wonderful gentleman on the show today. His name is Robert H. Hopke. And I found out about this gentleman. My daughter mentioned that she picked this book up in Chicago, and it's called There Are No Accidents, Synchronicity and the Stories of Our Lives. And so I'm so excited to have him on the show today. But before I bring him on, let me give you a little information about Robert. So sit back and relax and let me give you a little bio here on Robert H. Hopke. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist in private practice in Berkeley, California. Along with his numerous articles and reviews published throughout the world, he is the author of the national bestseller, There Are No Accidents, Synchronicity and the Stories of Our Lives, which has been translated into over two dozen languages. His scholarly work in analytical psychology includes includes Young, Youngins and Homosexuality, Men's Dreams, Men's Healing, a guided tour of the collected work of C.J. Young and the persona where sacred meets profane, all published by Shambhala. Now, Robert was born and raised in New Jersey. Hopke graduated summa cum laude with a B.S. in French and an Italian from, from Georgetown University. He holds an MS in theology and pastoral counseling from Pacific Lutheran Theological Seminar and a second MS in clinical counseling from California State University, Hayward. He served as staff supervisor at Unitas Personal Counseling, a low-fee, long-term, psychoanalytical-oriented clinic associated with the campus ministry of the University of California, Berkeley, and was coordinator of the AIDS prevention program for Operation Concern, the oldest gay and lesbian psychological counseling agency in San Francisco until 1995. He is currently... Uh, a faculty member of the Institute for Transpersonal Psychology in Palo Alto, California, where he teaches in the area of Jungian psychology and human sexuality. Hey, Robert, welcome to High Road to Humanity. Thanks, Nancy. It's great to be here. Thanks. I am so glad you came. And that's a true story. I was at my daughter's house and she's like, you have to read this book. And no. if you're if you're watching me on YouTube, I'm sure they can get it at Amazon. Is that right? Or do you have a website? They can, or? Totally. Absolutely. It's still in print. It's been in print since 1997, actually. Okay, cool. I want to know, why did you write this book? What What happened? <laughs> what happened? Yeah. Well, you know, when I do the lectures and talks about this, I always tell a story. And, you know, the, yeah. subtitle, the subtitle of the book is Stories of Our Lives. So when we're dealing with synchronicity, which is Jung's... Um, theory of meaningful coincidences it I found out that pretty much everyone's got a story so it was really that and so my story is I sort of always jokingly refer to it as I was a synchronicity virgin okay this happened to me <laughs> that's great so um you know you read my bio I was an intern back in my 20s in the at Unitas personal counseling here in Berkeley okay. and I was in my 20s um therapy is usually a 
second career for people. So I was a little bit unusual. I went into it immediately after undergraduate. So I was seeing various older folks for therapy in my 20s, which is a little awkward at times. I think, you know, now that I have beard and white hair, I'm a little bit more credible, but when I look like a kid. So I'm seeing this client and this client of mine, an older man, um, is... Uh, in therapy because he's got this very domineering and controlling mother can't break away from her he and his wife and the kids are living with her and that was really kind of the gist of the therapy he came to actually figure out how in his late 40s he was going to separate from his mom so here I am you know 20 something I'm working with it so he comes in one one Saturday morning I'm seeing him on Saturday morning so there's this huge um, raging tropical storm going on here in California, which we get kind of during the winter. Right. And he comes in and I've got my little room and there's a little bit of light coming in and, and the storm is pounding. And he's telling me that, you know, his mother had somewhat egregiously uh, dominated him again some way. And he just was saying, I feel completely powerless. I feel completely powerless. And he's pounding his fist on the, um, on the desk in anger and then suddenly all the lights go out oh i'm like okay because he now felt powerless. he doesn't notice it but <laughs> i'm like well that's kind of freaking i that's what I, you know of course i'm a therapist right right, right. symbolism and everything right, right. Like, okay so we have an emotional power failure now we have a literal power failure like right here so he right. doesn't notice it i notice it i don't say anything we continue to work kind of in the semi-darkness of it all and I'm like well you know I'm trying to get him to understand kind of that he has some choices to make he could say certain things I'm doing the therapy things that I do and slowly he comes comes around toward the end of the hour lights still out says okay so what you're really saying to me is that I've got more power that I think I do in this relationship and I said yeah exactly I think there's a ways in which you could be assertive you could say certain things you could put her in her place so he looks at me he says so you really think I'm powerful and he starts saying to himself I'm powerful I'm powerful and all the lights go back on wow and so I go to my supervisor who was very Freudian and very psychoanalytic at the time and I tell her this story and and I'm like, that was kind of freaky. It was a little bit like a movie, you know, like, okay. And yeah. she says, oh, that's one of those things that the Jungians call synchronicity, oh. which was really the first time I had heard the term. So that got me on the track of the topic of this book. In other words, that's the story. Synchronicity, I found out subsequently from my own research, is um, Carl Jung, who was an associate of Freud's, came up with the term synchronicity to describe exactly this kind of an incident a meaningful coincidence that happens in our lives that has a various impact on us psychologically. Right. So I sometimes say, you know, when I'm talking that ordinary coincidences happen all the time. Right. right, right. Um, you know, you're walking down the street, you bump into a neighbor, or you were just happen to be thinking about her, you know, things like that. I'm like doing a crossword puzzle, seven letter singer from Hoboken and a Frank Sinatra song comes. I'm like, Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> That's yeah. the answer there. Right. That is a, that's a normal synchronicity. Uh, that's a normal coincidence, an ordinary coincidence. Okay. Um, synchronicity is something more like what I just described. In other words, it's this coming together of an external circumstance and an internal emotional psychological state. Right. In a way that has an impact on us that goes beyond just a normal kind of ha-ha moment. Right. It makes us wake up and, and pay attention. Now, as you're telling me this story, because I'm a real um, believer in energy, 
Um, right. I, yes. And I believe that a lot of synchronicities, and I want to know your opinion. I have lots of questions for you today. But I'm no. just curious if you think that the energy of his thoughts, the energy of his feeling, the energy that he felt in that room when you were having the, you know, the consultation with him, and he said, I'm powerless. You know, we have abilities that people don't realize that they actually have. I wonder how you feel about the energy, if you think that was connected, because I do. Well, um, I'll explain what Jung thought about it. Okay. And then um, Jung was, I will say, agnostic right. on that topic. Right. So what he wanted to do with this concept is establish it as a psychological principle, as opposed to a scientific or cause effect principle. So right. he called synchronicity an a causal connecting principle. He didn't call it a non causal connecting principle because obviously the power failure had some kind of a cause. Right. right? right. Now, whether it's an occult cause, like you're suggesting that the client's energy turned the lights off, or whether it's just your normal cause, which is, you know, a squirrel ate the wires through the generator in Richmond, California. Right. Or, right. or is it divine intervention? And, and this is all, true. you know, planned, true. True. planned for right. us. Yeah. So there's a, that's another cause. Yeah. What Jung did was he set aside all of those possible causes, occult, normal, divine intervention, and said, I'm just going to look at the psychological dynamics around how that incident affects the person. Right. So he kind of sidestepped the causal issue because he kind of felt like the causal issue distracted people from looking at what the incident meant for them right. and got them away from working with it in a way that would be productive psychologically. Right. In other words, in a way, it disempowered them, you know, particularly a cause like divine intervention. You know, what Jung wanted to do is have these incidents, well, make a space so that people could use these incidents in their lives to kind of deepen their own self-knowledge, right. not necessarily knowledge of the world around them, but their own internal psychological world. Which, so that's the, yeah. that's the first piece of it. So yeah. he, would, he would say with you, that is certainly possible. And then, you know, he wrote a wonderful, um, well, he didn't write it. He was sort of forced to write at the end of his life, an autobiography called Memories, Dreams, Reflections. And if you read that, there are quite a number of incidents of synchronicity in there in which he himself kind of attributes it to his own psychokinetic or psychic right. experiences. Right. He right. was right. very much a believer, in, and he certainly had a belief in God. Yeah. So, you know, but in his formal psychological work and in this concept in particular, he wanted to stay on the psychological line, not the philosophical, scientific or theological line. Right. That, well, that I clear? say this. Yeah, because we all have stories, you know, we all have a story and but we do have the ability to draw things to ourselves, which um, but but. Uh, the cool thing about synchronicity, and I want to talk to you about this, and I think um, I want to talk to the audience. I want the audience out there to think about this. When a synchronicity happens, it's really up to us. This is what I kind of got out of this to pay attention to it. Indeed. And in fact, I will say, and as you read through the book, synchronicities are incidents in which it's almost virtually impossible not to pay attention to it. You know, they right. really are the kinds of incidents that sort of hit you over the head, you know, right. in a way. Like, like I said, now that's interesting because, you know, the story I just told you, I also use as an illustration of that because um, I noticed the lights went out, but it was kind of clear the client was in his own psychological in his own world. Day. Right, right. And really, he didn't notice whether they were on or off. 
I mean, ah. I, have, I have clients come into my office. I have this enormous, elaborate, hand-stitched Amish quilt behind me where I sit and see my clients. And clients will see me for years and say, oh, is that quilt new? And I'm like, no, that quilt's been there for 10 years. Yeah, they you just know? didn't so see people it. People notice what they notice. A synchronistic event generally just rivets our attention. It's right. really one of those incidents. And, and I explain a little bit about why that is in the book. There are different factors that I think make these coincidences different than others. Well, and I want you to talk more about that. We're getting ready to go to our first break. You guys, oh. this book is called There Are No Accidents, Synchronicity and the Stories of Our Lives. It's Robert H. Hopke. Do you have a website or how do people contact you, sir? I do. I have a website, robhopke.com. Oh, is, okay. Very good. And his last name. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. All right. And this is Nancy Earl, and we'll be right back. Hang on. We have more stories to tell on High Road to Humanity. Check out Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, to book a session with Nancy to learn how to tap into your own abilities. Have you ever been in a situation where you needed a miracle? I think most of us probably have. Whether it's a financial emergency, health crisis, or some other serious situation, most of us know the feeling of helplessness and even hopelessness. Now imagine having to wait for a miracle for six months, even a year or more. That's the situation for thousands of children all around the world who are waiting for a sponsor. Their only hope of escaping the poverty around them is someone like you choosing them. This is Nancy Yarrow, and I'm joining with compassion to give you the chance to be the miracle in a child's life. For a little more than a dollar a day, you'll provide the physical, emotional, and spiritual support a child needs, not just to survive poverty, but to be released from poverty in Jesus' name. Don't make a child wait one day longer for their miracle. You can find out more or sponsor a child right now. Just go to my website, nancyyearout.com. That's www.nancyyearout.com. We want to thank you so much for listening to the show. Now, welcome back to the High Road. Hi, this is Nancy Yearout, and we're here today with Robert H. Hopke, and he's talking to us about synchronicities, and I have a lot of questions for him. Um, you know, you tell a story in the book, I don't know if you want to tell this or not, where you met Phil at the YMCA. I thought that was really interesting. Would you mind telling that story to the audience? I know it was a very sort of interesting story, you know, like uh, we had all kinds of things in common. And so what happened was um, I had gotten, I had gotten a referral for a massage. So in the nineties, I'll sort of back up in the nineties, I did a lot of long distance cycling here in California. Right. So my legs were like trash all the time. (laughs) So I belonged to the Berkeley YMCA and I go there and I, signed up for a massage. The first massage that I signed up for, a guy that I had seen before, he cancels. It's frustrating. I don't get the massage. Oh, no. The second time I go, he cancels. Uh, I go to another person. I sign up for another person. That person cancels. Um, wow. 
And I'm like, okay, this is crazy. So there was this guy that was sort of hanging around the YMCA, you know, working out like we do. There's some guy that I'm, you know, is at the gym I see all the time. And I, you know, I thought he was pretty nice looking. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, there it is. And so it turns out I sign up for the third time. And the third time this person cancels, uh, you know, yet another person cancels. And it just so happened that Phil actually came in and sort of stepped in. The YMCA staff said, okay, Phil's working out here. And so they contacted us. Are you willing to do a massage? This poor guy's had his, me, has had his massage canceled on him three times. So Phil comes in and does this great massage. And it turns out during the time that, you know, we're, he's working on me doing my body work we're talking and we have all kinds of things in common like long distance cycling we have friends in common it's this kind of crazy situation in which um you know i walk out of there and actually phil became one of my best friends and so it was one of those circumstances i always sort of remind myself because we all have all had these experiences in which you know there's this cancellation there's a cancellation there's a cancellation it's just so frustrating and it turned out you know like retrospectively as is often the case with a lot of stuff that occurs in our lives I look back almost was like I was led to this person as a kind of a friend he became a long distance he became my long distance cycling partner a really good friend we traveled we've known each other for years now you know so that's how I met kind of my best friend well and I like this how you say it's a meaningful coincidence in the book correct that's what you call a meaningful coincidence and I like that because I think that's really cool now in the dictionary I also love the uh the definition because it really doesn't go with that it says it's an accidental sequence of events occurring simultaneously <laughs> or the same period of time i'm like what <clears throat> well that's think... why that's why the book's called there are no accidents <laughs> <laughs> now i want to talk about something else because i believe that these coincidences either happen to push us forward or there's a there's always a lesson to be learned because i believe we're down here to learn lessons what do you think about that I do. And, you know, that's really the purpose of Jung's uh, coinage of the term. What he wanted to do was he wanted to encourage people with this concept of synchronicity to start taking the random events of their life and looking for the symbolism and meaning in them. So that's one of the things that I say about a synchronistic event. It it occurred to me after hearing, you know, hundreds and hundreds of these, both in my therapy practice and researching my books, that there is always a symbolic quality to it. There's always an image. There's always a person. There's always some kind of a symbol in it. Mm-hmm. And Jung wanted people to live their lives more symbolically. He wanted them to deepen their own experience and interaction with the events around them. Right. So, you know, not just cast them off as meaningless, but to try to find meaning in them. And that's where I have to say, like, for example, it's a minor incident, sort of a minor example of it we just talked about, you know, repeated right. cancellations, one of these things that's sort of one of these everyday life frustrations we have. Well, indeed, I found a meaning in it. Like that, I was led to somebody who actually became a very important person in my life. And so that's another piece of it too. Like what what people often want to do is sort of um, distance themselves sometimes from tragedy or frustration. Mm -hmm. And Jung and all of us therapists are uh, designed to kind of help or trained. And our work is designed to help people kind of go into what it is that that actually means and how that actually has informed someone's experience of their own life. Well, that's where you start to think of that there is a divine plan 
because, you know, I'll tell you, I'll, you really do. We watched this yeah. movie. My husband and I watched this movie, and it was actually a true story uh, a couple days ago. And I can't think of the name of it for the life of me. But anyway, the wife and the husband were madly in love, and they were young, and they got into a car accident, and she was thrown through the windshield, and she lost her memory only from the time that they had met. Like, she remembered everything from college, you know, before. Right. But she couldn't remember their time together. And he was just devastated because she woke up in the hospital and she didn't know who he was. Right. The cool thing about this and what I thought was really interesting about the true story was in the end, they meet each other and they fall in love again. They start dating again. And the same thing that happened initially, because they were attracted to each other and they loved each other and they had all the same common interests, you know, that same spark came back. And right. it showed at the end of the movie that they had, were married and had two children and she never did regain that part of her memory, but she was supposed to be with that guy. Right. Right. You know, well, you know you're bringing up the religion, the religious meaning of it. You know, Jung would certainly not, nor would I, obviously I have a degree in theology. Right. Um, I would not discount the fact that somebody may place a religious meaning on it. God yeah. intends this person to be in my yeah. life. Yeah. Or even even if you don't happen to have a, a very sort of personal or theistic version of God, you know that the universe or right. karma, you know, right. Jung is very Jung's concept expands to include the kind of religious or spiritual meanings people may place on the incidents that they have, as long as they've done sufficient work internally to kind of discern that that's the case for sure. Right. Absolutely. Right. right. Well, and you talk about that in the book, you talk about um, a lot of times, you know, when you meet someone, um, you know, these are synchronicities. These are things that are supposed to happen. Do you believe that? Right. I do. You know, that's uh, the book, the original book in 1997, there are no accidents. Um, I have a different categories of synchronicity according to the sort of, what do I want to say, the uh, location of people's lives in which they occur. So their love lives. I heard so many stories of how I met, you know, like what you're saying, how I met the person I ended up being yeah. my soulmate and partner. Yeah. Yeah. Our work lives, how I ended up going into the career or getting the job that I right, have. Right. So many of those. Um, I deal with what we're talking about, spiritual life, you know, certain miracles, spiritual life, how I met my spiritual teacher or how I became connected with my spiritual community ends up often being a very synchronistic thing. Somebody's not really looking for it and somebody mm -hmm. crosses their paths. I had that great story that my friend told me about how she, she actually, her car broke down in the middle of California and she walked into one of this, one of these Eastern related spiritual communities and it ended up being her ashram for years oh, wow. Wow. and it just happened she was she she wasn't even spiritually seeking anything her car just broke down and she was so impressed with everyone there kind of and she joined the ashram eventually and she lived there for 15 years so wow um and then also kind of the two transition points that's i often sort of say synchronicity often happens at the points of transition in people's lives okay. so i look at people's birth conception and birth you know like love stories often for heterosexual people and even now for gay and lesbian people too, you know, sort of move forward into kind of creating families. Right. So like how the families come about is a part and parcel of it. And that's what I look at in my second book about families, but also death. 
death is like the ultimate transition. So a lot of synchronistic events, meaningful coincidences occur around death, both for the person that's passing away, as well as for the people that are surviving. You know, the signs of this person's continued presence often come to them through meaningful coincidences that experience through the death process or afterwards. You know, I like the story that you tell where the mother could not get past her child's death and then she received months later and that's an an incredible that was a client of mine and i actually got her permission to use the story tell the story tell the story it's a a really lovely story i have to say i I call them charlotte and todd those aren't their real names but okay so charlotte came into me again because her um her son had been killed so i my work i live here in berkeley and my office i see a lot of uc berkeley students as clients uh, you know as clients so um so that's what happened. He was a UC Berkeley. He wasn't a client of mine, but he was a UC Berkeley student. She's here in the area. And um, he had been killed uh, on the way home to, on the way home uh, to, uh, after Christmas break. What had okay. happened was a car, a drunk driver hit him and he had been killed in a car accident. Wow. So they had had a lovely Christmas together. And here he is killed in a car accident immediately afterwards. And she came in, you know, again, I often say therapists never see people at the best moment of their life. It's usually right. the worst moment of their life. So right. this was definitely true. And I don't think it gets any worse than losing a child. Right. So she comes in to, to, to deal with this and she tells me this. So we're working with it. it. So, But then she tells me that this incredible incident occurred afterwards. What happened was he, they had a wonderful Christmas at home. He gets in the car. He goes he's going to go back to school he gets killed and she's disconsolate and she's it's months afterwards she still can't pull herself out of the depression and she's like if I can only talk to him one more time if I can only talk to him one more time uh the mailman rings the doorbell and he has this completely beat up envelope so it turns out that what Todd, her son had done was on his, this is now in the nineties, right? So on the way out of town, he had stopped at one of these instant photo booths. Oh, right. Got all the actual photographs developed from Christmas, put them in an envelope, wrote a beautiful note to her around how now that he was in college, he appreciated his family even more, felt closer to them. It was a lovely holiday. See you next on spring break. Puts it in an envelope, right? Sends it, but sends it to her with his return address at school, but there's an insufficient postage. So they bump it back to school. Of course, he's died. So it gets rattled around the University of California mail system for a few months until finally someone figures out that it's supposed to go to his mother and that he had died. They put sufficient postage on it and she gets it months after he had sent it. But at the precise moment when she's sitting there saying, I wish I could talk to him again. It's almost like she said to me, it's almost like he reached out from beyond the grave to comfort me. And there are all these wonderful pictures of their last time together. And it really helped kind of frame her process and move her along like he's gone but he's also not he's not gone yes and that's wonderful hey we have got ready to we've got to go to a break here um we're getting ready to go to our next segment but thanks for that story because i'll I'll tell you something i I believe in divine intervention or the universe or however (laughs) you want to put it and i think that was that came along to comfort her hey you guys we are here today with robert hobkamp so glad he's on our show 
Um, the book is called There Are No Accidents, Synchronicity and the Stories of Our Lives. This is Nancy Yerald, and we'll be right back. We'll be right back on High Road to Humanity. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, or download directly from Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, so you never miss an episode of The High Road. Do you struggle with knowing the right food for your lifestyle? Is there really a one right way to eat? As a chronic dieter, I was always so confused by the food rules and the fad diets. Where to even start? That's why I decided to go into health coaching. As your health coach, I will help you find the solution that is right for you. I will help you find balance. Unlike most dietitians and nutritionists, I focus on a whole person approach, not just food. I address stress, sleep patterns, underlying root issues, and so many other contributing factors to health. And as a mental illness survivor, I love talking about ways to fire up brain health. If you're interested in learning more and maybe even a complimentary consultation, contact me at www.sparkingwholeness.com or message me on Instagram through the handle Sparking Wholeness. And now let's get back to the show. We want to thank you so much for listening to High Road to Humanity. This is where Nancy and her guests tell stories that will guide you and enlighten your mind and soul. Now, welcome back to the High Road. Hi, it's Nancy Earl, and we're back here today. We're talking about synchronicity. We're talking about how things just come together. Is it coincidence? You know, um, we were talking earlier. A lot of times it's a wake-up call, too. You know, when Here, something happens, absolutely. it's a wake up call right. and uh, maybe we get kind of humdrum in our lives and, and the universe <laughs> wakes us up. That's that's what my book's called. It's called Wake Up. The Universe is Speaking to You. And yeah, because I, I and I do a chapter. I have to tell you this as we're, we're talking about synchronicity. I did a whole chapter on um, is it is it coincidence or is it synchronicity? And right, I. Right. I, like you, believe that uh, things are put in our path so that we move forward in life. And um, just like the lady you were talking about, I think you said, was her name Charlotte? Yeah, Charlotte. Yes. Yeah. I just believe, that, you know, that was to comfort her. She she couldn't move forward. She was stuck. And I mean, isn't that crazy? You couldn't have dreamed that one up, huh? No. You know, and that's what I, that's why he called, that's why you called it a causal. Like in yeah. other words, there was nothing she did specifically to... Right solicit that kind of comfort that just kind of came to her but her now, feeling her her the energy see i think here's what i believe i'll just throw this out there really quick right. um i believe the in the energy of your feelings uh can do a lot and not so much you know people talk about affirmations and people talk about prayer but i think a lot has to do with the feeling and that energy of that feeling what do you think about for sure that? well that or you know we could flip it around i have to say i mean okay you know, as a sort of practicing Catholic Christian, I do believe that people who've died, their souls continue on in a, some state of existence that we right. don't really know about. Right. It could very well be that her son kind of right. reached out from behind, you know, to comfort his mother. I mean, that's certainly one of the ways that it's quote unquote explained. I but agree with Jung, that. But, but what Jung wanted to say is that those explanations are all well and good. Right. Yeah but they don't really get to what it meant 
for the person. So right. that's what I wanted to do. That's why this, that's why the books are filled with stories. People are right. telling me what it meant to them. Right. So in that case, you know, it could have been her, it could have been him, it could have been God, it could have been the universe. But what is important for us as therapists is for her to sit with the impact of that on her, because right. that was a he- that was a healing incident for her. Right, that right. you know, it helped her move on. So. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, it helped her move on and live the rest of her life because she could have lived yeah. it in misery, you know, because of the death of her son. But it catapulted her to move so, a little bit should further. I, should I, shall I tell a wake up wake up call story? Tell me a wake up call story. I love what, it, Robert. When, one of those when you said that, I was like, oh, that's the story. Oh, talk so to me. The story. The, <laughs> This, and it's good. I, always, I tell the story a lot, actually, to some clients, to tell you the truth. You know? Okay. So um, when you do couples therapy, what happens most of the time is somebody, one of the partners, and I'll just say it's usually the woman, okay. drags her partner in. Okay. And like, this is what's wrong with him. Please fix him. Like, it's like, like fix my partner, you know. Uh, auto body shop right okay so and i like and i always have to say like that's not my job as a couple therapist you know like you married him right you know? so um so anyway so that's sort of what happens there's always these disgruntled couples it's not always the woman's uh, often it's the guy but i have to say like that's you know one of the, one the, of the women wants you to fix her husband okay yeah, her picture, or vice versa you know okay like, but most men don't drag their wives into couples therapy. That's and say, true. Fix her. It's the other way around. That's you know? true. Okay. Most guys just put up with it <laughs> and complain to their friends. So um, anyway, so that I tell the story because this this actually happened to a friend of mine, a college friend of mine. A college friend of mine was married and married maybe ten years. So he kind of you know getting back in getting into the rut. You know, like it's yeah. not all that exciting. It's kind of boring. Blah blah blah. While we were at Georgetown, he had this huge crush on this very exotic woman named Beja, who was from Brazil, very sexy. And he, in his boredom of his marriage and sort of the domesticity that he was living, had started thinking about, okay, I wonder where she is. Maybe I'll look her up, you know. So what happened was he was thinking about her. He's going through the yearbook. He talked to me about it. We are here in San Francisco. We're having lunch. And he tells you, you'll never believe what happened. I bumped into Beja in a bar here in San Francisco. Now, Georgetown, where we went, was D.C., you know, so this was not like we were still in D.C. We were like, we're across the country. Right. So, um, so he's telling me like, oh my God, you know, this was meant to be, this was, she's my soulmate. This is a sign from God. My marriage is boring. This exotic woman has now come into my life. I've loved her for 10 years. She's never known it. So he starts- he he she's very flirtatious she's very erotic she has turns out he finds out she has quite a number of male uh quote-unquote admirers in other words she's pretty much sleeping around right and he realizes that this woman that he had idealized for many many years was kind of a nut case like she drank too much she was on drugs she was somewhat promiscuous she seemed really kind of shallow and horrible and he was like oh my god like what would have happened had I actually gotten together and it and sort of what happened was he said to me we were at lunch he said to me like I feel like she was sent to me to sort of prove or sort of wake me up that like the woman I actually married is the right woman and I should be with her appreciate who I've got and right. he, after yeah, that yeah. Lunch, yeah. he, after that lunch, he went to Beja's apartment to basically sort of 
I don't know, break it off or at least sort of just say goodbye to her or say something. And it turned out she had moved out. He went to the apartment. She had just decamped. To this day, we don't know where she is. Oh, wow. The very point at which he sort of um, shifted his attitude toward her and began to appreciate what he had. His wife, yeah. She literally disappeared. How crazy. It was like a wake-up call. He said to me, like, I think she was sent for me to kind of like wake up to appreciate and count my blessings. <laughs> and it was like, it, it, it actually resolved in a lot of ways his ambivalence about his marriage. So sometimes I say to people, you know, like people come all the time, like this person was sent into my life. It was meant to be blah, blah, blah. And I always think of that story. I'm like, I don't know about that. Sometimes that's not actually the case. Sometimes, right. sometimes it's the wrong person at the right time, not the right person at the right time. You know, that I'm makes like, sense. okay. Right. And that's a, that's an example of a wake up synchronicity, like wake yeah. up to what you've got. Right. Yeah. Wake up and appreciate what you have. And I think I, and, and that's, that's an awesome story. And I'm glad you told it to us. <laughs> hey, I want to, I want to ask you about numbers. Um, you um, know, you tell a story in there, there is a story about 1111, but now there's like 1111 is like really out there. It's a spiritual number. It is. Um, yeah. And you have a story in there, but um, I, I'm just going to throw my two cents and I, follow the numbers. I pay attention to the numbers. Yeah. I see 11, 11 all the time. It used to be a different number. When I travel, I see the same number all the time. Like if I'm driving in the car, it's like, okay, that's confirmation. I'm on the right path. Right. Uh, you know, I'm really, I always have the same number. Like my kids were born on the same day. That number's right. in my checking account. It's yeah, my yeah. license plate adds up. Talk uh-huh. to, yeah. So what do you feel about the numbers? Are you on the same uh, wavelength well, as me? Well, that's what that is a great example of uh the symbolic dimension of it because you know all of the numbers that we use i think we you know we use them for arithmetic and checking and making change what jung as a psychologist as i said earlier wanted to do was to awaken everyone to the symbolic dimension of our everyday life right so numbers are all of those numbers one two three four five onward all have symbolic dimensions to them you know one is unity two is the second stage in the process in which the unity has been divided into two okay the two make three three is a sign of the trinity right certainly the the christian trinity but that three is a dynamic number because the two have become three and three becomes four which is a quaternity which is a stable square number so four often represents stability five the quintessence is four plus one so it's that stability of the four plus the unity of the one so all of the numbers that we see have as Jung would say and as I often say and as we as you're saying you spontaneously experience we all spontaneously experience the symbolic quality of those numbers so I wanted to tell lot of those stories those stories are so much fun you know yeah it's the 11 11 1 1 1 1 does that do people see that at times when they need to become aware of their inner unity because all of those ones i think so do you think so because i because I, I do too because i gotta tell you this and this is true swear to you guys the audience let me tell you and they listen to me all the time so they know <laughs> i had one number for so many years and then all of a sudden it was 11 11 and everywhere really? I looked was eleven eleven. So how, you know, it's just like I switched. It was weird. Right. And then when I looked it up, I was floored. I was like, oh. right. 
this says I'm on a different spiritual path now. It's a whole thing. Yeah. I didn't know about it. You know, when I was doing the research back 20 years ago, right. you know, people started sending me these number stories, this whole 1111 phenomenon. So I'll just say what I think is the case okay. is okay. that your spiritual shift happened. Right. You know, just in the normal process of your spiritual growth. Right. And then you began to notice right. the symbol of that. Yeah. In other words, it's not from the outside in, it's from the from inside, the inside out. out. Right. You had shifted, right? right. And right. so that's what I say. So now there yeah. are people that are quite skeptical. And, you know, I get these after my talks and lectures and classes, people always say, well, people are just making it up. They're just uh -uh. meeting into external events. Uh -uh. I'm like, well, <laughs> I, I say to them, I'm like, well, isn't that kind of the point? Like this book yeah. didn't fall out of the sky as a natural phenomenon. I made it up. Like right. the best things in our lives, we quote unquote, make up, we right. read meaning into it. Mm -hmm. And that's what Jung wanted to do with this concept. He wanted to encourage people to understand that what we're bringing from the inside unconsciously out and projecting onto external reality is real and true and meaningful. Yeah. So we're not making it up in the sense that it isn't real. It's real to us spiritually and psychologically. And, you know, that's what you're saying. Like you're noticing the symbol of your yeah. spiritual transformation around you now in yeah. a way that has a specific form. Right. And it's confirmation, which is nice because we all need confirmation in life. Right. Hey guys, we're getting ready to go to a break and we're going to come back for our last segment here. We're here today with Robert Hopke. What a great show. Share this with uh, your friends because everybody has coincidence and synchronicities. It, his book, There Are No Accidents. And you've got another book out. What is it called, Robert? It's, it's actually called the same thing. There are no accidents, but we added in love and relationships because this oh. book is about families. This is about synchronicity stories that occurred within the family context. Well, so I'll have the to, book. yeah, I'll have to read it. I'll have to have you back because, and I will say this really quick before we take off that um, there are so many cool stories in here, you guys, <laughs> that you would just, it's awesome. Hey, this is Nancy Yearout and this is High Road to Humanity and we'll be right back. We'll be right back with The High Road and more. Don't forget to visit Nancy's website at nancyyearout.com to sign up for her online classes or to book a private session to learn how to tap into your own abilities. Do you feel like something is missing in your life? Do you feel lost or alone? Do the things you buy for yourself lose their luster quickly? Are you searching for fulfillment within your heart and soul? What if you were given the ability to change your life for the better, to create what you want for yourself? What if I told you you have the ability to tap into the universal energy to design the life you desire? This was my discovery many years ago. As a businesswoman and a single mom, I had no choice but to pay attention to what the universe was revealing to me, and I learned how to use it for my benefit. When you wake up and pay attention to the messages that the universe is showing you, your life will change for the better. Because we all hold the ability to tap into the universal energy to enhance our love life, our career, our finances, anything you wish. This energy was created for our use and it's free. Now, I'm excited to share this information with you in my book, Wake Up. The universe is speaking to you. It's available to you on my website at www.nancyyearout.com. That's N-A-N-C-Y-Y-E-A-R-O-U-T.com, Barnes & Noble, and Amazon. And thanks for picking up my book.
and may the energy of the universe bless you. Join the millions of women each month who listen to Wise Health for Women Radio. Women are pressed daily to give more, learn more, and be more, often at the expense of mind, body, or spirit. Join us for revitalizing conversations on fresh ways to view your limited time, encouraging new, healthier perspectives. You provide a special spark to those around you, and you manage many roles. Entrepreneur, mom, wife, coach, friend, daughter, and more. Here's a great way to inspire and nurture you. On Wise Health for Women Radio, host Linda Crater and her amazing guests share how to move toward your wishes and dreams and find what is possible in your busy life. If not today, then when? Take steps to flourish over 40. Join us on Wise Health for Women Radio, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, on iTunes, and more at wisehealthforwomenradio.com. Helping women thrive. We want to thank you so much for listening to the show. Now, welcome back to The High Road. Hey, it's Nancy. You're out. We're back here with Robert Hopke today, and we're talking about synchronicity. Robert, what a pleasure it is to have you on my show. I just want to say. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love talking to you. It's awesome. Um, I'm looking at my notes to see what else is it that I want to talk to you about. But is there any stories that you think would help us that you can can share with us? You know, you talk about... um, work you know because the synchronicities happen in work too do you have any work stories or the work stories i mean some of the work stories are so interesting i mean one of the ones that happened to me um you know i i tell a bunch of my own personal stories both in the first book as well and a lot more in the second book the second book i start out it's a book on family so i start out on how i found my birth mother oh wow um, which is a super interesting story full of synchronicities. But around work, for example, the one story that comes to my mind was back in grad school um, when I came out as gay and was entered into a relationship with my now late husband uh, 33 years ago. Uh, uh, Yeah, uh, my father had a real big problem with it. And so um, I was here out here and going to seminary here at the Lutheran Seminary. And he um, basically cut off support for me. Oh, wow. So I was like, okay, I need to find a job. And I'm like, I I was just recently here in California. I mean, I had no connections, no nothing. Mm -hmm. And I'm walking down Shattuck Avenue here in Berkeley. And I'm thinking to myself, I just need a job. I need a job. And I literally bump into a seminary, uh, seminary classmate of mine who's coming out of an office building. And he bumps into me. And he's like, I say to Brian, I'm like, oh, my. Brian's like, how are you? And I'm like, well, I'm not that great. You know, like my father just basically turned his back on me and I need to get a job. And he started laughing and he's like, I can't, I just came out. I got a part-time job here as what back. This is 1980 as a word processor, essentially administrative assistant. Right. And he's like, I just came out of this meeting and they need to hire people. Do you want a job? And I'm like, Oh my God. I literally got my first job in California through that kind of a coincidence. I sort of felt like, as you were saying earlier, like, it kind of made it, it was both fortuitous in the sense right. that I got work I, when I needed it, but it also felt like confirmation. Like right. I'm in the right place. At I will right be time. provided for, yeah. I need to separate from my father. I need to run my own life the way I need to run my own life. That was the meaning I made of it, but it was a literal coincidence. I literally ran into Brian 
Ryan coming out at 2150 Shackley well, Avenue. Well, and that's where I say the universe has got your back. All right, well, certainly you have know, my back there. <laughs> that's where the universe has got your back. How do you feel about faith? Because I'm a big person on faith. It's hard to have faith in, in, you know, faith and synchronicity. I mean, where do you, where does faith enter in here? Well, that's really interesting. I mean, you know, you can see I'm, you know, I'm 62 years old at this point. So I've had so many incidents. You've had a great life. (laughs) You have a great book. You have great knowledge. I do. So I'm like, I've had so many incidents in which the last thing I wanted to have happen happened to me and it ended up in the end, teaching me something or bringing me somewhere that I felt like ultimately I needed to be. So for me, faith, it's faith in that sense. Like, okay, this is not what I want to have happen, but I've had now enough experience to know that the story's not over. The story's not over. We'll see what happens tomorrow. There are so many incidents in which the worst thing that I could ever think of happened, happened. And it ended up actually changing my life Ultimately, I would say for the better. Now, that didn't happen just without, you know, just spontaneously. I had to work with it, you know. But I will say, like, for for me at this point, I have a lot of faith. I have a lot of faith that, okay, there's something going on here. Um, It's not what I personally want to have happen. Um, But it's going somewhere. So I just need to hang on, survive, and be open to the fact that either I need to take some action or, as we're talking about in this interview, there may be a chance event or a synchronistic event that occurs to me that shows me what this is about. So one of the reasons I wrote the book was to help people have faith, right? Right. Stay open to the fact that even though it isn't what you want it to be, it might mean something in the end. Now I have a question for you because as you're talking, I'm thinking my wheels are turning. So Uh a lot of times in life, we want to create things. And you talk about this towards the end of the book, you know, oh, I really like this person. So I'm going to go after him. It wasn't synchronicity. It was that person. Do you believe that a lot of times in life, if that we need to kind of just let go and let life happen, let the universe handle things and not try to handle it ourselves? Do you, do you look at that? Do you like that concept where we sit back? They say, let go, let God, but I mean, just let go and, and, and let things happen as, as the story is supposed to unfold, I guess I should say. Right. What do so you think? I, I, so I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, what do I want to say? I'm going to sort of introduce a little psychological stuff in here. Okay. Around, right. Okay. Like Jung felt, and I, I believe that we have a very conscious sense of ourselves because we need to, you know, in order to basically get fed and clothed and do what we need to do. We need to be aware of ourselves. And that's what he would call your ego, our ego, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But what he wanted to say was that our ego is a very small fraction of who we actually are. Like there's a larger self around us that we're not always very aware of, right? Mm-hmm. So the ego has its place. We do need to take action in our lives. We do need to make decisions. We do have control over our emotional life or our behavior, etc. Mm-hmm. But that's only one small part of us. We need to be aware that that's only one small part of us and be open to the fact that there's more going on around us that we may not be aware of, even in our own personality right? The whole purpose of my work as as a psychotherapist is to make the unconscious part of our experience more conscious so that we have an expansion of personality. We're not just our ego. So I think there are ways in which on the extremes, we can go wrong. We can believe that 
our conscious intention is all that matters and just drive our way through life and miss an awful lot or even make a mess of things. Or make mistakes. Right. Makes mistakes through a very right. egotistical or narcissistic way of acting. Gotcha. Conversely, we can be very sort of passive and not really lift up a finger, not take action. Right. So the concept that I always introduce to my clients that I'm talking to as a therapist as well as a spiritual director is discernment, right? We need to be discerning about when it's right, when the circumstances are right to take an appropriate and right action on our own behalf, given the data that we've got. Mm -hmm. And we need to also be aware, however, as we do that, that that's not the only thing going on in the situation. There may be, as you've been saying this whole um, hour, and I believe there are divine forces around us that are actually working. There's a past, present, and a future that we're not aware of, that we're part of. So we need to be, we need to act, but we need to act lightly. And, or as my spiritual director says, flexibly. We need to be able to be flexible. We take an action, a decision, we do the best we can. And if it doesn't go in the direction our ego wants it to, we need to take a step back and then be discerning. Why was that? Mm -hmm. We need to look at it and not just drive our way through or just give up. So I would say I would counsel a middle road on that particular issue and do often with my clients and myself. That's how I try to live my own life. No, that's really good advice. I like that because I can see uh, both ends of the the spectrum because I can remember being a a young real estate agent thinking it doesn't matter. I can do it no matter what, you know, when, when you're younger, you think, Oh, (laughs) Oh, I can do it and it doesn't matter. But then you get older and you think, well, wait a minute. And then you start to pay attention. See, and that's, that's when you start to pay attention as you get a little bit older. And I think, um, you know, so that's how that works out. Um, you talk about, uh, we've got a few more minutes here. You talk about mystical experiences and there was a healing, um, that story that you told where the woman, um, was praying and she heard the Virgin Mary. Can you tell that? Cause I thought that was cool. Well, I'm Remember not sure. I, so many stories. No, fill me in a little bit more. Well, I think it was story. that one. I read it. I read it and she was, um, there was a lady and she had a chronic disease. And uh-huh. she started praying and she heard in her head, the Virgin Mary say, you know, um, just keep praying and keep put, putting your hands. I think it was her hands that were, uh-huh. she was having problems with. Keep, keep right. putting them in the water and keep doing it over and over. And eventually she was healed, like within a week. She was healed. Um, right. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think that as people meditate and pray more that the answers come? Because I think that. I do. And, and that's really constant with what I was, I've been saying, like, in other words, yeah, the person that's praying is really our ego. You know, we're, we're awake, we're conscious, we're aware, we're in pain, but that ego is ensconced in a larger personality. Jung called that the self. And when we, when we set aside our ego in meditation or contemplative prayer, Mm -hmm. what we're actually doing is what you're saying. We're opening ourselves up to the wider experience of who we are and what we're connected to and some you know depending on the culture or people's religious tradition or their own actual personal experience that will have a specific kind of form or shape so like Mm -hmm. in that case this catholic woman is going to hear the virgin mary but behind that behind the virgin mary is what Jung would kind of call an archetype in other words there all of us have a universal experience of mother with a capital m We've all had a mother, right? right? So that's an archetype. What that means is that that's a common human experience we every human being has had. Now, the experience of mother with a capital M archetype 
is different from culture to culture, person to person, family to family, but we've all had one. Mm -hmm. So in that case, for example, you know, the, the force of healing in this woman's soul that took the form of, in this case, the Blessed Virgin Mary, the source of her life, both mm -hmm. literal, physical, as well as spiritual, is what she was directed to in order to basically heal the physical condition that she was. Um, right. So what will happen sometimes is I'll get like medical professionals or scientific people will basically discount it and say, well, the illness itself was quote unquote psychosomatic. You know, right. it wasn't an action. And I'm like, well, the person actually had this condition. Right. Psychosomatic illnesses are real illnesses. People are actually in pain. And so the fact that it might've been related to an emotional distress that she was able to resolve through meditative prayer and marshalling her own healing powers of her soul means she was healed. Right. It's not, it's not, it's not a fake healing. It's a real healing. She was mm -hmm. in pain and she no longer is in pain. Right. So I'm like, I often sort of say like, uh, and that was Jung's point. Jung's point was psychological healing is real healing. Right. It's, uh, you know, it may not be due to a specific scientific empirically determinable medical right. condition, right. a physical cause, but psychological illness is just as painful as a physical illness. And in fact, in some illnesses, you can't, distinguish the two they're psychosomatic right. so that healing for example is a real healing that's why i tell the story because i'm sort of a little tired of people discounting um what you and i might call sort of miracles or miraculous mm -hmm. healings. Right. i'm like those right. are real healings i'm yeah. sorry like you know it's the, the real deal psoriasis, they don't have psoriasis i'm like what can i say like, well i like you robert like you and i you and i are on the same page we believe the same things i think well, that's why i'm here and well that's awesome hey listen i gotta tell you we're out of time but i oh, really Really? Yes, okay. but I enjoyed having you on the show today, and thank you so much. I hope you'll come back and see me. Um, I to... love talking about this. Anytime. Oh, cool. All right. Well, you hear that, you guys? We're going to have it back, and um, the book is called There Are No Accidents, Synchronicity, and the Stories of Our Lives. I'm holding it up if you're uh, watching me on YouTube today. It's Robert H. Hopke. It's H-O-P-C-K-E, and Robert, your website again is your name? Rob Hopke.com. All right. This is Nancy. You're out. We will see you next week. And thank you so much for coming on the show, Robert. Oh, thank you so much for asking. It was a delight. You're, you're welcome. Thanks again. Okay, you guys. We'll see you next week. Hey, you guys. Join me next week on The High Road for more stories filled with wisdom, love, and hope for our future. Have a fabulous week and know that by staying on the high road, you will make it to your destination. Visit my website, nancyyearout.com where you can book a private session to learn how to tap into your own abilities and check out my YouTube channel it's Nancy Yearout's High Road to Humanity Humanity